Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects and also to provide refresher episodes for practicing architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And this week, we will be talking about public procurement. So today's episode meets PC5 of the Part 3 criteria. So let's start by um, breaking down what do we mean by public procurement. So public procurement is in essence about uh, public authorities buying goods, works or services from private companies and opening up the wider competition to offer tenderers an equal chance of securing contracts uh, put out to tender. So public procurement in construction can play a very important role in improving the economic, social and environmental well-being and supporting local growth and employment through fair and transparent processes and also giving the opportunity for small businesses to take part and access work uh, opportunities. So open public procurement can be very beneficial for a number of reasons. It provides uh, opportunities of competition between private companies, which in return increases the chances for the government to get better value for money and make use of public resources more efficiently. Uh, It can also be beneficial in increasing legal certainty, and it also makes the application process more transparent, helping to fight uh, against corrupt practices. So the benefit of transparency is that it requires uh, public contracting bodies to demonstrate value for public money and projects. So they are subject to external and internal audit, including compliance with uh, organizational procedures or local authority standing orders. Before Brexit, uh, UK practices, uh, contractors and so on could bid for projects within the EU Uh, which was known as OJU, Uh, but since the UK's departure from the EU, the UK has launched a new platform known as Find a Tender. So Find a Tender is a platform enabling public sector organisations across the UK to advertise their procurement needs over a specified uh, value online. So before Brexit, high value notices were published on the official journal of the European Union, which is OJU that I already mentioned. But now these are advertised on Find a Tender. But um, just a note here is that UK businesses uh, can still bid for applicable EU contracts. So OJU does still exist. It's just that um, since the UK has left the EU, they have to have their own uh, platform for tenders. So just to give you a bit of background on this subject, while the UK was a member of the EU, uh, public procurement laws came from the European Union policy, uh, which was contained in the European Union treaties, and the UK could enter the open market freely uh, and vice versa. So the EU could enter the UK market. So EU countries could access public procurement opportunities in the UK and expressed their interest in a public project published on the OJU website uh, where public contracts were published. But since the UK left the EU, the UK is no longer subject to EU law, but still needs to comply with the World Trade Organization rules on public procurement, 
meaning transparency, equal treatment and other principles of public procurement remain, um, meaning authorities will still have to demonstrate transparency in the procedure and award of a contract. Uh, interesting fact, in HKA's 2021 Crux report, it stated that defective design in the UK was the primary cause of claims in the publicly funded sector. Uh, that's why drive for quality needs to become more important than uh, the focus on lowest price, which means moving away from choosing the most uh, economically advantageous tender to choose the most advantageous tender. Now, when it comes to legislation post-Brexit, the UK now follows a series of directives which take into consideration the EU directives when it comes to public procurement essentially meaning the UK made certain EU laws into its own post-Brexit with um, amendments, of course. So these directives include the Public Contracts Regulations 2015, also known as PCR 2015. Uh, these regulations implemented in the UK uh, the EU Public Contracts Directive, which addresses the contracts awarded by the government, local authorities and other public sector bodies. Uh, another is the Utilities Contracts Regulations 2016, which implemented the EU uh, Utilities Contracts Directive, which addresses the contracts awarded by operators of utility services, including water, energy and transport. And the other is the Concession Contracts Regulations 2016, which implemented the EU Concessions Directive and addresses contracts between contracting authorities and suppliers in which the consideration from the contracting authority includes a right for the supplier to exploit the works or services to be provided for commercial gain. So looking at the Public Contracts Regulations 2015, uh, PCR 2015, uh, initially, uh, as it's uh, the one most commonly used in the UK, so I will expand on it more uh, than the other two. So these regulations are suitable for contracts, for works, suppliers and services, and for design competitions. So there are six main procurement um, and or tendering procedures uh, a contracting authority may adopt under PCR 2015. The first one is open procedure. Uh, so with this process is uh, whereby the contracting authority invites interested parties to submit tenders by a specified date and all tenders that meet the criteria are evaluated and the contract is awarded to the bidder with the most uh, economically advantageous tender. This is a one stage tender process suitable for straightforward competitions. Uh, in this process negotiations are not permitted and is rarely used for procuring architectural services. This process has a time limit of 35 days from the date on which the contract notice was submitted to find a tender uh, for expressions of interest uh, or a minimum of 15 days for um, urgent uh, matters or projects. Uh, the next process is restricted procedure. So under this process, the contracting authority considers applications from interested parties and invites a minimum of five qualified applicants to submit uh, tenders based on objective and non-discriminatory rules and criteria. 
The contract is then awarded to the bidder with the most economically advantageous tender. In this process, negotiations are not permitted. And if used for architectural services, the contracting authority can ask for evidence of previous relevant experience in order to select the right design team to develop the design. So under this procedure, the contracting authority will need to have a well-defined brief and a clear idea of what a successful project uh, outcome looks like so they can make a quick and affecting uh, selection toward the contract form to a viable list of tenderers. So this process has a time limit of 30 days for receipt of requests to participate in the process from the date on which the contract notice was submitted to find a tender for publication or a minimum of 15 days for uh, urgent projects. The next process is known as competitive procedure with negotiation. So with this process, the contracting authority considers applications from interested parties and invites a minimum of three qualified applicants to negotiate the contract with the contracting authority. If used for architectural services, this procedure is used if the contracting authority is looking for an innovative design team to help develop their approach. So this route is only available for complex uh, projects. This route requires the contracting authority to define their needs um, and minimum requirements, the service, the award criteria and the project scope and nature in a prior information notice or contract notice. So negotiation in this process may involve um, successive bidding rounds to reduce the number of tenderers uh, to be negotiated. And then the final tenders cannot be negotiated. So candidates can be shortlisted using a simplified pre-qualification questionnaire. And this process is suitable for awards of um, frameworks or individual lots. So this process has the same time limit requirements as the restricted procedure. Then moving on to the next one, which is competitive dialogue. So under this process, the contracting authority considers applications from interested parties and invites a minimum of three qualified applicants to enter into discussions with a view to identifying the solutions capable of meeting its needs. So competitive dialogue may take place in successive stages to reduce the number of solutions to be discussed. So there can be no substantive discussions following the submission of the final tenders, although these may be clarified, specified and optimized at the contracting authority's request. So limited non-substantive um, negotiations may also take place after the bidder with the most economically advantageous offer has been identified with a view to finalizing the term of the contract. So if this uh, process is used for architectural services, it allows contracting authorities to identify the best uh, technical and contractual solutions through a staged uh, process. So the dialogue can consider design um, approach or team composition, but down selection must be based on published eva evaluation criteria, which reflects the intended project outcomes. So this approach is only suitable for complex projects and need to be properly planned and managed to avoid onerous, inefficient and costly tendering processes for both the clients and the tenderers. 
So this process has a time limit of 30 days from the date on which the contract notice is submitted uh, to the Find a Tender uh, publication website. Uh, then the next process is innovation partnership. So the aim of this uh, process is to set up a partnership between a contracting authority and one or more economic operators for the development of an innovative product, service or works, which meet the, the contracting authority's minimum requirements. So the contracting authority can purchase the outputs without the need for a new procurement process, provided that these meet the performance levels and maximum costs agreed between the contracting authority and the participants. So the process for setting up an innovation partnership is based on the procedural rules that apply to the competitive procedure with negotiation. And this process has the same time limit requirements as competitive dialogue. And last but not least is the competitive procedure without prior publication, which is permitted in certain limited and narrowly defined circumstances. Uh, these include where there is extreme urgency, not attributable to the contracting authority, and where the requirement can only be met by a particular economic operator uh, due to technical reasons or the existence of exclusive rights. So those are the six main procurement procedures uh, that a contracting authority uh, may choose to adopt. Um, so once a process has been chosen, the preferred tender must be informed about the contract award decision as soon as possible after the decision has been made. When doing so, the contracting authority uh, is expected to specify the criteria for the award of the contract, the reasons for the decision, including the characteristics and relative advantages of the successful tender. Uh, they also need to include the scores, if any, uh, obtained by the tenderer, receiving the notice um, and of the successful tenderer. Uh, it must also include the name of the successful tenderer and confirmation of when the standstill period will expire. So the notice communicating the contract award decision is normally sent uh, electronically, although other means uh, are also permitted in principle. And in some circumstances, the contracting authority must also notify the contract award decision to rejected applicants and bidders eliminated at early stages of the competition. So PCR 2015 is typically the most commonly used regulations process as it enables buyers to run procurements faster with less red tape, so restrictions, and with a greater focus on getting the right supplier and the best tender. Uh, and that's why I expanded on it the most. Uh, then we also have, just to briefly touch on them, the Utilities Contracts Regulations 2016. Uh, these regulations set out rules for utilities entering into public contracts with a value above the relevant financial threshold for works, products or services. And lastly is the Concessions Contract Regulations 2016, which governs the procurement process for concession contracts by contracting authorities and utilities. So that covers the regulations um, that are applicable in the UK when it comes to um, public procurement. Now let's look at the public procurement process itself more closely and the process and role authorities and public sector clients have in delivering successful uh, processes. So successful public procurement involves investing in the right 
uh, design skills, briefing and design process from the outset when setting project budgets and fee levels. Uh, architects can obviously assist from the strategic definition stage in helping public sector clients to realize their needs and shaping their objectives. And public sector clients can also explore the opportunity in appointing different design teams in parallel to assist with different approaches. Uh, but care must be taken to ensure that appointments won't exceed the EU thresholds, but also avoiding securing the lowest fee in case the consultant uh, isn't able to properly resource the level of services required. Uh, that's why the Public Contracts Regulations 2015 and now requests uh, an explanation when a tender appears to be too low. So public sector clients should consider whether and how the Public Contracts Regulation 2015 apply when commissioning design or architectural services. And um, as already mentioned, the PCR 2015 uh, applies to most design or professional services where the value is above a certain threshold and require the contract to be advertised and tendered uh, according to the process I mentioned earlier. So if the contracts are below EU thresholds, they are still required to be publicly advertised on a national web-based portal and tenders must be uh, one stage only. So the open tender process can provide greater flexibility for access from local and emerging talent and clients will need to review their requirements and if this is the most suitable approach for their project. So then public sector clients will need to select and tailor their procurement procedure to suit their project uh, and their needs uh, using design quality as their means of selecting candidates or awarding contracts. If the services required are above the EU thresholds, there are a number of variations on standard procedures allowing clients to procure uh, design services suitable for the project. But if the services are below EU thresholds, uh, clients can approach practices directly, given their internal standing orders don't prohibit them in doing so, and that they have also published the opportunities on Contracts Finder. So when considering whether a framework will deliver the best outcomes and design quality, contracting authorities may choose to find these services through joint purchasing agreements uh, and framework agreements, which can typically exclude smaller practices due to their requirement for high PI insurance and um, turnover. If awarding frameworks, consideration must be taken in offering more lots according to size value, type or location of a project or nature of the services provided. So breaking contracts into lots uh, according to the required achievement can deliver best quality and end results. So if the client wishes to award the contract on design quality uh, and low cost, it can call off the design approach from the framework of suitable consultants in a simple sketch design uh, mini competition and a fixed fee call-off can be used where frameworks used have established fee rates. But public sector clients are encouraged to offer partnership bid opportunities with smaller practices, allowing them to work with larger practices or contractors to boost uh, their profile and reputation. So when making the selection, public sector clients are advised to use a simple and proportionate selection process according to the scale and complexity of the project. So the selection criteria should typically be based on 
evaluating the suitability of the tendering organization to carry out the contract and for design teams to demonstrate their ability. So clients may choose to use a prior notification notice to attract uh, multiple tenderers and then use a pre-qualification questionnaire, also known as uh, PQQ, to identify if candidates have the necessary financial, technical and economical uh, standing to fulfill the contract. So as a baseline, a PQQ should include pass or fail criteria to ensure that the tenderers aren't in breach of their professional tax and social security obligations beyond uh, statutory requirements. PQQs can be used on requesting additional information, uh, which enables the client to assess the tenderer's financial and technical competence to deliver the desired project outcome. So the selection process can include asking candidates for evidence of previous experience, or they can um, use uh, PASS 91 to establish candidates meet the baseline requirements. And clients should also check evidence of the candidate being a registered uh, architect or uh, equivalent in other member states if procuring for architectural services. And then they can also check if the candidate is registered with the RIBA um, as evidence of quality assurance standards. Uh, and they can also use the European single procurement document for candidates to provide self-declaration that their practice meets the core conditions for tendering for a contract. So once all the checks have been have taken place and all the relevant information has been provided, uh, when assessing the candidate's capability, uh, public sector clients should consider their track record of undertaking projects of a similar scale and complexity. And when setting their evaluation criteria for selection, they should set out clear criteria at both selection and award stages in advance to assist with balancing quantitative and qualitative criteria. So together with assessing candidates' costs and capital, attention should also be given to their design and quality skills, and clients should make uh, decisions of a long-term value for money rather than going for the lowest price. So when determining the valuation criteria, an approach that can be used is a balanced uh, scorecard to balance quantitative criteria such as fees and cost against qualitative criteria, such as design quality at uh, award stages. So this process can be used to allow tenderers to compete on the basis of quality criteria by using a fixed price or cost approach. Now there is a mandatory criterion that needs to be used at assessing contract awards, which is the most advantageous tender, also known as MEET, which I uh, mentioned earlier in the episode. So a little bit more on this approach is that it may include the best price to quality ratio, enabling clients to take account of qualitative, technical and sustainable aspects of tender submissions, as well as price or cost using a cost uh, effectiveness approach, such as a life cycle uh, costing. So quality criteria can include technical merit, aesthetic and functional characteristics. Then it would be beneficial to establish financial thresholds based on the scale, complexity, uh, actual levels of risk and value of the design service. 
And lastly, once the most appropriate tenders have been established and the award has been granted, a standard form of building contract and consultant appointment should be chosen that promotes collaboration and integration and direct communication with the design team. So to sum up what I discussed today, public procurement opens up to wider competition to big contracts and projects, offering tenderers an equal chance of securing contracts put out to tender. UK public procurement tenders are now published on Find a Tender, and UK-based firms can still uh, tender for EU public contracts. Um, Post-Brexit, there are a series of directives the UK follows for public procurement, which includes the Public Contracts Regulations 2015, uh, the most commonly used uh, process. The other one is the Utilities Contracts Regulations 2016 and the Concession Contracts Regulations uh, 2016. And before I close off today, uh, I just wanted to mention just like a, a basic a scenario, something that you might um, be asked when it comes to public procurement. So a question like that might be somewhere along the lines that um, a client has approached you, which is obviously a public authority, or it could be um, an academy, for example, uh, and they have uh, secured funding and they want to request uh, advice from an architect on how to identify potential tenderers for a project. Uh, the project will be publicly funded, uh, so the procurement process must be fair and transparent. So you will need to um, set up the process, for example, and give the options of uh, potential lists for potential tenderers, uh, and the pros and cons of certain tenderers, what information will need to be gathered um, from each tenderer, and the key factors and checks to be carried out uh, relating to potential contractors uh, before recommending a suitable uh, tender list to the public contracting uh, authority. So that might be roughly a question that you might get or something along those lines in terms of um, public procurement. Or it might be um, where you can go to find public procurement uh, projects, which is find a tender now, post-Brexit. Or you can still also mention OJU if it's specifically for EU. Uh, so it's just um, a few key points to bear in mind of what you might be asked uh, in your exams. Uh, and to close off, I wanted to leave you with some best practice procurement. So best practice procurement results in high quality and sustainable project outcomes that are good value to build, maintain and operate. It enables the project in taking full advantage of available design talent and promotes innovation. It supports the local economy and promotes growth and employment nationally. It reduces overall cost, time and waste for the construction industry. It promotes collaboration within project teams and reduces risk. Uh, it facilitates direct client and end user engagement with the design team. And uh, its key aim is to build long-term relationships between clients and high-performing design teams. And that concludes today's episode.
If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me tomorrow.